um, some, yeah, something was missing, I guess is the best way to say that. And in looking at my own relationship with alcohol, I, I knew that something was quite off. And I also, I, so I did the test I'm like, okay, I've got to Google this. Am I an alcoholic? And I wasn't. Um, and at that point, it was very binary. It was very much like if I've got a problem with alcohol, I, you know, the only choices that, that, that I thought were available was that I needed to go to AA or rehab. Welcome to Life and the Stories Within It, a podcast interviewing people with empowering stories that spread positivity, hope, and determination. And now, here's your host, Hunter McFall. Welcome back to Life and the Stories Within It. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're back today with Miss Caroline Holke. Caroline, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. How are you, Hunter? I'm good. It's a nice, bright, sunny day. I think we're starting to see some actual warm weather here in Minnesota. It's a change for us. So, all right. So let's just dive in. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and all about you? Yeah, great. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. So my name is Caroline Holke. I am a coach now. I actually work with women and help them redefine their relationship with alcohol. I like to say I help them get rid of the shitty parts of alcohol, of drinking. And so I am married. I've got two kids. I live in St. Louis, so I can definitely relate to the springtime coming. I can hear the birds out there. It's so fun. Um, And prior to becoming a coach, I was actually in corporate marketing. And I did that for over 20 years. I um, flew all over the world and helped um, different groups of people, you know, develop their marketing strategies. And it was so fun. I loved it. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided that I wanted to make a change. I had actually done this work on alcohol with myself and had worked with a coach. Um, When I got to the point where and looking back at my own life, I realized that everything looked fantastic on paper. And yet I felt like something was missing. I felt like I wasn't um, some, yeah, something was missing, I guess is the best way to say that. And in looking at my own relationship with alcohol, I, I knew that something was quite off. And I also, I, so I did the test I'm like, okay, I've got to Google this. Am I an alcoholic? And I wasn't. Um, and at that point it was very binary. It was very much like if I've got a problem with alcohol, I, you know, the only choices that, that, that I thought were available was that I needed to go to AA or rehab and I didn't qualify as an alcoholic. And yet I knew that I was kind of groggy in the morning. I knew that, you know, I would, I was waking up in the middle of the night, stuff like that. So I technically didn't have a problem, but I did have a problem. Like it wasn't working right for me and I didn't quite know what to do. And so I started doing my own research. I read a couple of books. Um, and that worked fine for a little while. And then I found a coach who actually, her message was about helping people stop over drinking. I was like, ding, ding, ding. That's it. That's what I want. <laughs> like, I don't want to stop drinking. I just want to stop the overing part. And so I started working with her and that was so transformative for me in understanding that how important our underlying beliefs are and how, how desire really develops to begin with. Yeah. You know, we have, we live in such a drinking culture that you either drink or you don't, it's the only drug that you have to take 
in order to prove you don't have a problem with it, which is kind of fascinating when you think about it. Yeah. So it's when, kind of weird. You, yeah. It, like, when you think of, when you actually think about it, it's one of those things like, Oh, you can't take it at all. Or you could like, there's no, Oh, I take it in moderation, but like that I will get further into it in the story, but it's just, it's interesting. So I'll let you continue there. Sorry about yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No. Um, and please, please feel free to ask questions as we go along. Um, but I, so as I started kind of reevaluating my relationship with alcohol, uh, you know, things started changing for me and then I started looking at my job and I thought, you know, I'm having a great time. It looks all fabulous and stuff, but you know, maybe it's time to close that chapter and start to make more of an impact, a direct impact on people's lives. And that's why I chose to make the switch to becoming a coach. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Well, excellent. I'm glad that you made the switch and that you were able to come to the realization that, Hey, I want to make this switch and that something was not necessarily right for you and that you wanted to make a change. So why don't we start from the beginning a little bit and talk about your relationship with alcohol before you kind of came to that realization where you weren't really happy with your relationship with it. So why don't we talk about that before you had made that change? Yeah. Okay. Um, what I noticed was, well, I, I think as with many people, at least that I grew up with, you know, I started drinking in high school and that was so much part of the social scene. I think that we watch what our parents do. No, I'm not making any judgments about anything. It's just, you know, we do live in a drinking society Mm -hmm. and I saw how my parents drank, you know, socially and they were having a great time. I was like, okay, that's what, that's what people do. And that's certainly what I did. I've got some great stories to tell from having good times with my friends and, and I'm not judging that at all. Let me be very clear. I'm not judging that at all. That was, I had a great time and that continued. And as I got older, but I did notice that as I got older, it became less of a, have a good time to, and became more of a stress relief, like had a really rough day, X, Y, Z happened. Oh, I could use a drink. And you'll notice that that's really, really reinforced by a lot of the messaging that we receive, not only from our peers, from society, but also on movies or TV shows or anything like that. It's a very dramatic, um, yeah, have a drink or you deserve a drink or X, Y, Z. And I noticed that that was happening more and more for me. And I was feeling the results of, again, feeling groggy in the next morning, making really bad food choices (laughs) the next day. (laughs) And um, I just, I felt like I was driving with the emergency brake on. I I think that's the best explanation of that. And I knew that there was something better for me. Yeah. So I, well, now you bring up food. I was just thinking about that. Like I just saw something on, um, it was, I think it was TikTok or something like that. Everybody, they always talk about, oh, talk like, you know, you go like it's 2 a.m. drinking and all of a sudden you're have gone out for the night. You've been drinking. It's 2 a.m. And now you're pretty loaded. And at that point you're like, oh, we got to go to Taco Bell or you got to go to McDonald's. Like it's the traditional Taco Bell or McDonald's run or some greasy food because all of a sudden you get super hungry after that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I should, <laughs> it just kind of throws you back a little bit. I'm like, oh gosh, that makes me think it was <laughs> some of our early college days of going out and doing that. But yeah, there is definitely a stigma. I know we, um, in our little meet group, we had discussed, uh, I believe there was an ad that it came out about 
pretty, I want to call it like a stigma around like moms and alcohol more in particular. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, exactly. I think that there, you know, if you look at, I, I come from a marketing background and so that the messaging is always kind of fascinating for me, but, um, so I do know that I gravitate towards these things and may <laughs> tend to overanalyze them. But anyway, um, I know that at the beginning of the pandemic, I noticed that there was an ad that, or a display actually at Trader Joe's. And it was, I think the the message was stock up for back to school. And at the time it was homeschooling and it was above this huge wine display. And it was funny. It got passed around everybody, you know, like on social media, they passed around like, Oh, isn't this funny? And okay, fine. But to me, I look at the, at the messaging underneath that, which is very subtle. It's not, well, actually it's not that subtle, but the messaging underneath that is I can't deal with my kids. I can't deal with homeschooling my kids unless I'm drinking. It's like, is that the message we really want to buy into? Yeah, and I, don't I don't think that's the case. I don't think so either. And I think there's a lot of people that, like you said, it gets passed around on social media and it, it's, that's at a glance. Like they just are walking by it or you walk in the door, you're like, oh, haha, very funny. But then if you, like, if you sat there and you either think about it or you sit there and look at it, you're like, oh, what is our actual message here? Like, what are we telling our, like, what are they telling us that we can't get through the, like, this is just anybody in general. We can't get through the day. We can't get through certain stresses or anything like that without consuming alcohol, either during it or at the end of it. Like what that's, pretty power like it's a powerful message that i think we sometimes don't we it's just one of those quick glance things and we haha very funny and then we keep on with our day versus okay we think about it so we need to think about the message there absolutely and because we become part of that when we buy into it and Mm -hmm. i I, again i'm not judging anything i i (laughs) it's definitely there (laughs) but but that's that is something that i definitely work with my clients with now is just understanding what are those thoughts what are those beliefs that are that are driving the habits that we're doing whether that be eating or drinking or whatever it is yeah so why don't we shift a little bit and talk about you as like what you did when like for the change like once you had you're just like, you felt like the, you had the emergency break on You're dragging, you were groggy. You weren't making the best like life or health, healthy lifestyle choices for like eating and everything like that with alcohol. And you felt like you were over consuming and like overindulging yourself. Um, and then you, you decided to make that change. How did you make that change? Yeah, I think, I think it's for most people, it's kind of a gradual process. It's a, you know, maybe it's not an overt awareness that something's going on, but it may be a little more subtle. I know that for me, I had just started noticing. And I think that that's awareness is always the key part of change. That's the first step. I started noticing I wasn't liking what was happening. And then I started taking action. And that would, that looked like, you know, in the beginning, it was just making rules. It was, I'm only going to drink two um, during the weekends. And then the weekends kind of spread to, you know, Wednesday or Thursday or, you know, and Sundays kind of included in the weekends. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, this isn't doing anything. Um, or I went through one phase where I'm only going to drink scotch because I don't really like scotch. So that's going to like limit me to begin <laughs> with. Yeah. It's, it's creative anyway. Um, in the, so that doesn't work. And then I started reading books about it. And that was helpful for a little period of time. But I want to note that when I was doing those kinds of things, I was really operating on willpower. 
I wasn't addressing the underlying beliefs. I wasn't addressing, I wasn't getting into the, what I, some people call it the think, feel, act cycle, which is, you know, what are the thoughts that are driving this? And for me, so often it was drinking equals fun. And I think a lot of people in society would agree with that. And I think that that is true when we look at the beginning of the evening and, you know, you're toasting your glass and everybody's celebrating. But if you pull back and look at the whole picture, the waking up in the middle of the night, the next morning feeling bad. And, and for me, actually, <laughs> the making the bad food the choices. Was the, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, so when you pull in back and look at the whole picture, well, maybe it's not an absolute. I don't know. It, and for some people, it is. That's great. You know, for me, it wasn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so starting to look at what was driving that was really helpful because when we address those underlying beliefs, when we address those things, then and and fix those at that level, then the rest of it becomes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I that's definitely think I of like when we talk about like the hangovers and like waking up in the middle of the night, those are like to boil it down, like in my opinion, it's all con- like those are consequences of our actions. And like, it's whether or not we have to, like, are you content with living with those? Are you like, are you content with when you drink? Are you going to not possibly get a good night's sleep? Are you going to wake up with a, like a hangover, whether it be your headache, whatever, or just feeling bad? And also, like, you think about it from a financial spot, alcohol, it, I mean, you can get cheaper alcohol, but at the same time, generally the cheaper stuff does not taste good. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that makes the so, hangover worse. Yeah, I know it probably makes the hangover worse. So at that point, like if you're buying high quality, like high higher quality alcohol that costs money, you have to think about the financial and like how much of your finances are you willing to put towards this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk about we had, you mentioned like AA and rehab and everything earlier, and we had talked about like the one or the other. It's either you you use it or you don't. It's there's no in between. So. It's it's a very interesting topic because it we all think like we mentioned it's one or the other. You don't ever see anybody that like okay I'm an alcoholic they stop and then like oh yeah I've been sober for forty years versus you know I have a drink everyone like I just learned to control my drinking versus completely cut it out. So what are you doing to kind of help that? Yeah, exactly. And so I work with people who want to they want to be back in control of their relationship with alcohol. And that can mean that they want to have two drinks when they feel like having two drinks or whatever it is, or or eight, it doesn't matter. But they know that they are 100% in control of what they drink when they drink. So often when my clients come to me, they say, I just feel like I don't have an off button or, you know, one is never enough or whatever it is. Um, and let me be clear, I don't work with alcoholics. I work with people that are in a that consider themselves like a gray area drinker. Yeah. Some people want to be able to continue to drink socially, but not have it be part, not have that pull, like to know that they're fully in control of it. Some people want to continue to drink, some people don't want to drink at all. And that is completely, I can work with all people that, you know, anybody in that area, yeah. basically. And- one state, like one word that comes to mind is like blanket statement or like that. Mm, those are like mm-hmm. that state. That's what comes to mind. It's like a blanket statement. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying AA or rehab doesn't work. It has done many wonders for people and yep. it may work for certain, in certain individuals if they need it. 
but it might not work for other people. Like it, it's one of those things, like we think about, it's just a blanket statement that it's one solution for many, or well, it's one solution for many different problems versus many different or one solution for one problem. It's a very broad spectrum. This is what you're going to do. You follow your 10 steps. And for some people, great, it works that they can do that. They're like, yep, I'm so glad I went to AA or rehab that has worked for me. That's exactly what I needed. And then other people, it's like, well, you know, I could take, if let's say we have a five-step program, they could take step one and three, and that's part of what they can use, but they two, three, and five or two, four, and five don't work for them. So how are you helping combat that? Like, are you more working one-on-one with those individuals? And Absolutely. Yeah. I work one-on-one with, uh, with my clients. And I think I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up because I firmly believe, I know that we're all individuals. We're all unique. We all have different drivers. We have different backgrounds. We have different aspirations, all that stuff. And that's why it is so helpful to to understand what's going on for each individual and cater the the really the solution to their that individual that's in, right in front of me. Yeah, and and I will say that it's so important that my methodology is about getting to the underlying beliefs, getting to those underlying thoughts that are really driving that desire, and that's that is consistent across the board, but what the words are that my clients say are very different from one to the next. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I can imagine they would be like you just said, we're all unique. We're all different individuals. So it's going to be different for each person Mm -hmm. or each client that you end up working with Mm -hmm. because everybody has a different story. Like it said, some people just want to get a better handle it, get a better understanding and get control of the relationship they have with alcohol. Not saying that they want to quit. They just want to say, Hey, I feel like I'm overindulging that I'm drinking a little bit too much. And that I, I feel like I always need that one, like that one more drink. I'll just, we'll just have one more drink or versus, okay, now I've got, I'm content with two or I'm content with three or I'm good with one or not. I'm good. Like I'm good with one socially. So, and I think that's a different, like, that's a whole nother, I would call bears, whether or not we're drinking, like the reason why we're drinking. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Do you, how often, like, do you run into that pretty often? Of like the, the kind of like the why behind their drinking? Yeah, that's exactly what we're working at is the why, um, you know, because is it, am I drinking because I'm lonely? Am I drinking because I don't want to miss out? Am I drinking because I don't want them to think that I have a problem with alcohol? Therefore, I'm going to drink to prove that I don't. Or yep. I've had people say, <laughs> that they don't want people to have, they don't want people to think that they've got a problem with alcohol. So they tell the people that they're with that they're hungover from the night before. And that's, that explains why they're not drinking. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's a pretty good, I mean, that's pretty clever if you think about it. So I, that's, I haven't heard that one before, but. Right. So just, just imagine that logic there. Like, I don't want them to think that I have a problem. So I'm going to tell them that I'm hungover. And that explains why I'm not drinking. It goes back to alcohol is the only drug that we have to take in order to prove that we didn't, that we don't have a problem with it. Well, yeah. And, and honestly, that's like a, one of the easiest jail, get out of jail free cards. Like when you're for alcohol is, oh yeah, I'm hungover. Well, oh, that, that proves that you used it the day before. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so what, what do you, uh, so then you mentioned your coaching. What is your, like, can you talk us a little bit through like your actual coaching business itself? Like what it is, yeah. like 
a little bit more specific on like what it is. You can tell us like the name of it and everything like that and yeah, kind of how yeah, long you've definitely. been doing it. Yeah. So um, Caroline Holkey Coaching is my business. Um, I have a 12-week Drink Less, Live More program that I work with clients. Um, I work with clients individually. And over the 12-week period, we talk about, in the beginning, we're talking about reestablishing self-trust. By the time somebody hires a coach, they've tried a number of things. They've tried the their own rules. They've probably listened to some podcasts. They've probably read some books. They've probably done even some programs and seen some progress, but they're not getting the results that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I have never met anybody that just like wakes up one morning and says, I want to hire a coach. I want to get this over with. I haven't run across that yet, but maybe that's fine. If you're out there, I'm happy to work with you. Um, but but what? why I start with self-trust is because at that, by the time somebody comes to me, they've really beaten themselves up quite a bit. And so they need to reestablish their self-trust. So we start with that. And then we start talking about desire and how desire develops and how we can develop an over-desire for alcohol and how we can unwind that desire. That's totally possible. The same brain that got you there can get you out. Um, and then we move into basically creating a life that they love. Cause a lot of times we drink because we're stressed or we don't want to like address, we don't want to address the fact that we don't love our job or X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And when we start to take that alcohol out of the picture, then all of a sudden we look around and like, Oh, wait, now I understand why I'm drinking a, um, so let's go ahead and fix those things. Yeah. It seems like it's all a lifestyle thing at that. It's a huge lifestyle thing. And it's, Yep. goes back to the why, why are you doing it? Stress yep. or mm-hmm. et cetera. I mean, it's all dependent on lifestyle. And I think that is a big thing on your, like your side of thing is because you're not only just, it's not like you're just coming into it and saying, okay, you need to quit alcohol. This is what you have to do. You're going in and you're going, making that lifestyle change. You're getting to know your client and being able to work with them and do everything. And honestly, I think you have a really awesome point of view as the coach, because you can see all of the good and the positivity and everything that happens from your end of things. Like you can see the growth and you can see the change that these people make and actually have them go from point A to point B of, I have a problem to now I'm content with where I'm at with my relationship with alcohol. So yeah, yeah. do you have any other, do you have any, I wouldn't call it like wicked, but any like stories in particular that you have that like, uh, you don't have to mention names, but just like, this is one of the best growth stories I've seen as a, as the, as a coach. Yeah. Um, I've got many, I've got many. And I think that actually that's what I love about this work is just being witness to my client's transformation. It's just like, I'm so, I feel so honored to be part of that. That's amazing. Listen, I'm, they're doing all the work. I'm just here as a, (laughs) as provocation for, you know, to, because their thinking is taking them down a path that they're not liking. And so I serve as, you know, I'm, provoking their brain a little bit. Like, what if you thought about it this way? Or why do you think your brain's coming up with that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got many, many stories of, of people that I've worked with that, you know, and, and some of them are very quick. Some of them are, you know, very quickly get the thought work. They understand how that works and, but they've just never been introduced to it. And let me, let me take a second and explain that we are taught from the beginning most of us are taught what to think from our parents, from school, from wherever. Um, and 
And if we're lucky, we're taught critical thinking skills and, and how to apply that towards somebody else's work, whether that be literature or artwork or whatever it is, right? So we know how to do that, but we don't know how to apply those same critical thinking skills towards our own thinking. So we believe that since we've thought something over and over and believed it for a long time, that it's true. Yeah. And what I want to offer is that even though you believe it, if you're getting results you don't like, you don't have to believe it. And so we get to what's, what's driving that and, and start to examine it, examine that. And once, and when, once we're able to do that, then oftentimes the whole house of cards crumbles. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, well, Caroline, I think we're getting to the point where we're going to start at wrapping up our episode. Is there anything else you want to tell our wonderful viewers? Yeah, no, I think the key point is if you're like me and didn't realize that there was anything in between <laughs> um, drinking like everybody else and AA and rehab, there is. So I want to offer you some hope. I will also mention that during the pandemic, a lot of people started drinking heavily. And so know that you're not alone. That is a, a way to handle stress. That's a way that we've been taught how to handle stress. And if you find yourself that in that spot, I would love to talk with you because there are other ways to manage it. Awesome. Well, thank you much, Carolina. Just a few yeah. things before we finish out today. Uh, those of us that are joining us on the Block 105, thank you for listening. We always enjoy you guys just taking a listen. And remember to subscribe to all of our channels. We're on every major player we are, we are on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, et cetera, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we should be there. We also are on Facebook and Instagram. We have social media outlets and we're working on the TikTok. So, all right. Well, thank you much, Caroline. I appreciate you coming on the show. It was wonderful having you. As always, yeah. remember to spread the positivity, hope, and determination. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Life and the Stories Within It. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. If you have a story you'd like to share, contact Hunter at lifetswi at gmail.com. Until next time, remember to spread the positivity, hope, and determination. Thank you for listening.